Hey everybody, I'm Brian Clapp, VP of Content and Engaged Learning at WorkInSports.com, and this is the Work in Sports Podcast. Look, this is going to be a stressful week. Election week is important in our country, and I can't stress to you enough, young, old, and somewhere in the middle like me, get out and vote. When you vote, you shape not just your world today and next month and next year, Decisions like these impact your entire future and future generations. Democracy works when everyone votes. So get out there. This is not the time to be sitting on the sidelines. Okay, let's look at the stat line. Get a picture of our sports industry right now. Three stats to help you better understand the health of the sports industry. On number one, on workinsports.com, the number one job board for the sports industry, we currently feature 17,226 active sports jobs. That's stat number two, 1,715 new jobs added this past week. It's down a little bit from last week's average. I think it was 2,000 almost even. Uh, So down a tick, but not much. Overall numbers are still really good. That's an average of... 245 new jobs posted every day around the country, jobs all over the place. Now, trend analysis. Lots of internships posted this past week, which makes sense. This is the time of year you start to see companies post their spring internships and their needs. A lot of virtual internships out there. A lot of companies are adjusting to our current world and saying, okay, we can still get value out of people, give them experience, give them a little bit of money uh, and, and get them into our system virtually. If you're a college student making your plans for spring Check out last week's podcast too. Some really good info on in there on uh, internship prep, and this is the time. Okay, you can't wait till January. You can't wait till later to start looking for your pl- your prime internships. They're already filled by then. So start making your plans now. Okay, three fresh jobs on the job board really caught my eye. Job number one: associate manager of social marketing for Athleta. Now. This is a great example of a category of job that has been growing. I've talked about this before. Retail and lifestyle is a category on our job board that has really grown a lot during the pandemic. Uh, Brands like Athleta, Puma, Nike, Adidas uh, are doing quite well right now. And they're hiring for a lot of different roles. So if you're into sports marketing or social media or accounting or whatever it may be, any business-related role, don't limit yourself to teams Look to the big brands, too, because they're explo- they're expanding right now. Uh, job number two, senior editor of NHL coverage at The Athletic. Love The Athletic, big fan of their product, big fan of their content, great writers, worth paying for. But the reason this stood out to me, not just because I love the journalism stuff, but this senior role contributing to comprehensive editorial oversight of their NHL coverage Also, one of the key things they talk about in this role is using data analytics to optimize performance. And the reason I wanted to point this out is because data-driven decision-making is in every facet of the sports industry, whether it's journalism, whether it's e-commerce, whether it's marketing. So if you're in college right now, 
I would strongly suggest getting to understand data analytics as a minor, as some optional courses, just really understand how to un- how to understand the data and how to calculate it and how to generate it so that you can really be uh, add that to your profile of skills, because that is becoming a dominant expected part of almost every job out there. Keep that in mind. Like, again, journalism types, you may be thinking, oh, man, sports knowledge and writing skills. That's what I need to be able to know. But this just shows, you know, being able to use data analytics to optimize performance is a key part of this role as a senior editor. And job number three, athletic director at the College of St. Benedict. Now, here's why this job stood out to me. The College of St. Benedict is a women's college with 11 intercollegiate varsity teams and eight competitive club sports teams. Small program, but that's great. Okay. The thing that stood out to me, though, is their mission statement. The program seeks to reinforce the college's mission of preparing women to think critically, lead courageously, and advocate passionately through sport. I like that mission a lot. And forget, I mean, even I love that it's geared towards women and it's trying to work in that focus and in that niche. But I think anybody can look at that and say, I'm a dude. And you know what? If you're preparing me to think critically, lead courageously, and advocate passionately through sport, I think those are pretty... That's a pretty impressive mission statement, something I'd like to be associated with. Sounds like a great stepping stone role for someone who wants to lead, wants a lead role in college athletics. Like if you want to be an athletic director, to, if your dream is I want to be an athletic director at a power five school or something like that, or one of the top, top college programs, then this is the kind of role that you might want to look at and take and start to build your ladder climbing up through different colleges and different experiences to get to that point. All right. That's the stat line. Okay, before we get into today's question, because there is a really good question today, and we're going to get into the details, and it's going to help you guys out, but I want to bring this up. I got called out by a fan last week, and I want to address what they brought up. Just to remind everyone, I like it when you call me out. I have zero problem with it, because it gives me a chance to explain with more clarity maybe something I didn't explain quite well enough on the show itself. So when you say, hey, wait, this didn't ring true to me, that gives me a chance to clarify, and I appreciate that. I'd rather have you ask the follow-up question and call me out a little bit than just go on not talking about it and think maybe you didn't really understand what I was saying. Uh, I've already spoken with this person directly, but I came to the conclusion if they're thinking it and wondering it, you may be too. So let's talk about it. I'm all for transparency. Okay, so here it is. Got an email last week that said, Hey, Brian, I've heard you rant and rave about how all internships should be paid and that it is unfair to create a system that requires experience to get jobs, but the only way to get hired is by gaining experience through internships. But not everyone can afford to work for free. I 100% agree with your sentiment. This fact has bothered me for a long time, and I'm glad you've given it a platform. But you also work for a site that charges money for people to apply for jobs. How is this any different? I'm not trying to be confrontational, just would like to hear your rationale, since generally speaking, I find you to be on the level. Okay, thank you for saying that I'm on the level. I am going to give you a very authentic and honest answer to this question, because I think it's a good one. I really do. Now, I'm not going to mention this person's name, because I don't think they expected this to be a public conversation. We're making it a public topic. We don't need to mention them by name. Uh, I don't think they wanted me to, but I am literally, I'm thrilled to address this. I really am. Okay. So here's the difference as I see it. Organizations, teams, leagues, agencies that hire interns and don't pay them are exploiting labor. 
They are getting value for something they are not paying for. That to me is a major ethical problem. It's not right for anyone, no matter if they are black, white, Latinx, women, men. Working for free is unfair. Full stop. That's point number one. Second point. If opportunity to gain knowledge is only provided to those who can afford to work for free, and I guess more than gain knowledge, I gain experience, okay? If opportunity to gain experience is only provided to those who can afford to work for free, this unjustly separates the talent pool into those who can afford to work for free and those who can't. That is also unfair. On the flip side, our site provides a service, something you couldn't replicate on your own. There's no way any of you out there could be finding the 300 jobs a day in the sports industry that we do, or that you could build the relationships with thousands of sports employers to publish and know the jobs even exist. But if you wanted to, you could try. You could find these jobs one by one by searching on your own. You don't have to pay for our service to learn about and apply to sports jobs. You don't have to buy a premium membership to apply for jobs in the industry. But if you choose to use our system, it can work to your benefit. It is not exclusive. It is a service, a choice, an option to make your world and life more efficient. We are able to reach out further, get more jobs, and promote them. And as I pointed out to this person who brought this up, who was specifically referencing a job that they said, I found this job through your site, but now I have to pay to apply. How is that any different? I said, would you have known that job existed if not for our service? And they said, no. And that's my point is that you don't have to go about using our product. We are there to make your life more efficient, save you time and help expose you to opportunities that are out there that you may not know about, that you generally won't know about. So I'll give another example. You don't have to pay for a service that delivers your groceries to your door. You go to the store, do all the work yourself. But anyone also has the option to say, hey, I think it could save me a ton of time and effort to pay for delivery. Leverage their logistical infrastructure and get my groceries at my door. It's not like you can't buy groceries without the service. The service is an add-on to your life to make things more efficient and better. So I believe wholeheartedly that all internships should pay at least a minimum wage or else they are being exploitive and elitist. Our site, on the other hand, is an optional service to make your job search more efficient. I hope that clears up the difference. I wanted to go into a little bit more detail there and try to point these things out because I do think they're two very different scenarios. We are a small company. There are 11 of us on staff. We work really hard to do what we do and provide a service to our premium members. And for that, we do charge a small fee, but that allows us to benefit you in greater ways. I'll explain it to you. You know, I've said this before and I'll say it again, though, is that there are free job boards out there. Okay. There are job boards out there in the sports industry that are free to access their jobs. But how do they generate money? Because every business is generating money. They generate money by charging the employers. Well, naturally, what that does is only employers that are willing to pay them are on their job board. So, for example, one free job board out there that you've probably heard of and probably are familiar with has 725 jobs on their job board right now. We have over 17,000. We did our business model different because we wanted to give you more. We wanted to give you all. 
We didn't want to just say, hey, here are the jobs of companies willing to pay us. We wanted to say, here are all the jobs in the sports industry. Go at it. That's our service. That's what we work to accomplish for you as a premium member. I hope that explains a difference to me because I don't think it's elitist. I think it's a service. And I think that there are services throughout all of our lives that we opt into if we choose to. And you don't really have that choice with an internship. You literally might look at an internship with a team and say, well, if they can't pay, I can't do it because my life doesn't allow for that. And then I don't get experience and I fall behind my competition. It's a little different. At least I believe it is. I hope you do too. Okay. Let's get into today's sports career focus question. This time from Jack in Pittsburgh. Hey, Brian, working on my resume. I'm a college student and I follow a ton of your advice and I keep getting hung up on one thing you haven't discussed. Should I include my GPA on my resume? Thanks for your advice. Jack, good question. I think sometimes I talk high level about strategies and concepts, trying to give you broader understanding of concepts and then give you actionable tips underneath it. So I always want you to go out of any of our episodes and say, okay, I know what to do. I'm at it, right? But this is an example of something I may not have mentioned before because it's really deep in the weeds, but sometimes it's helpful, right? It's really helpful to get deep in the weeds, specific, solve a specific problem. This is an example. Should you put your resume, GMA, GPA on your resume? Not your resume on your GPA. You should put your GPA on your resume. Okay, let's get this straight. Okay, let's start with this. If you've been working, I'm going to give you exacting answers, right? I'm going to give you like black and white answers, so get ready for it. Okay, let's start with this. If you've been working full-time in the industry for more than two years, the answer to me is a flat-out no. Don't put your GPA on there. Your resume in this instance should be highlighting your two years of experience and then a few internships you did in college. At this point, it's all about what have you done that directly relates to this job and how you will fit. It's less, way less about the college classes you took and your GPA. This is if you've been active in the industry for more than two years. Your GPA is no longer relevant. Your career-focused work far exceeds this. Now, one small caveat to this. If you had special awards for your high GPA, like summa or magna cum laude, so above a 3.7, and you went to, like, I don't know, a pretty impressive school, you could probably stretch that out another year or two, say, you know, within four years of experience, you'd want to start to drop that. So give yourself a little bit more run rate with that little data point. Because again, if you went to a high profile school, like you graduated from summa cum laude from Princeton, I'd probably show that off for a little bit longer, right? Now, just to be really clear, I'd like to state for the record, I've never had to concern myself with that because I didn't go to Princeton and I didn't graduate summa cum laude. So that was not a thing I had to worry about. But if you are out there, that's a good worry to have. I would include it if you are four years, let's say, under four years into your career. Because I'm telling you, after a point, it's like, okay, I don't care what your GPA was. I don't. Early on in your career, okay, I guess I get it. Now, let's go through this a little bit more detail. If you are less than two years into your career, you can absolutely include your GPA on your resume. My suggestion is to tag it just to the right of where you list your school. Don't give it a separate line. It's not worth that much real estate right next to the school in your education section. So again, don't waste too much space on it. So for me, I'd have all one line, University of Delaware, comma, 1996, comma, GPA 3.4. 
all on one line, doesn't take up a ton of space, adds a little bit to my story. Yes, I am letting you know now that I graduated in 1996, and yes, I had a 3.4. If I went to class a little bit more, I probably would have done better. But 3.4 never once came up in any of my interviews or would never once affected my ability to get a job. So I never really rested too much on the GPA concept. Employers are going to hire you based, number one, on your experience and what you bring to the team, and number two, their belief that you can make a positive impact on their business. Now, that could mean they hire you based on potential, and a high GPA shows them you have the ability to learn and have some innate curiosity about the world. This can help you when you are young in your career and don't have a ton of valuable experience. After a while, it has less meaning and doesn't really help you at all. It's much more important to say you were a production assistant at wherever, or you were a marketing coordinator at wherever, or you were an operations you know, executive whatever, at wherever you were. That's more impressive than your GPA. What have you done for me lately? Keep that in mind. Now, um, let's be really clear here. Ask yourself before you put your GPA on there, does it tell a good story or a bad one? And does it raise a red flag if you don't have it on there? Now, I wouldn't worry about this too much. You don't have the, the, the red flag part, but um, the, the, the GPA, whether it tells a good story or a bad one, is important, right? If you are over a 3.3 and you're two years into your career or less, then yeah, I consider putting it on. Under a you know 3.0 to 3.3, possibly. Under a 3.0, no, don't put it. Two point anything, not worth putting on there. Right. Just don't do it. And even then up to 3.3, I think is borderline. Right. It's not a slam dunk whether you put it on there. But again, to be honest, you know, you have you're probably asking yourself the question, does it raise if I don't put it on there? Does somebody assume that I have a bad GPA? Not necessarily. I get that you're logically thinking that way. It logically makes sense for you to say that. But I'm telling telling you as someone who reviews resumes and knows lots of people who review resumes, most people look at the that part and see that as an unexpected data point that's been entered, right? So they're looking through your resume and they like your experience and then they see you had a 3.6 in college and they think to themselves, okay, good, that's a total picture. I get a view of this person. The next person, they see their resume, they like their experience, they don't even list the GPA, they really don't think about that too much. They're hunkering in on your experience and they say to themselves, okay, this person is worth calling to learn more about. It's not a deal breaker whether you put it on or don't, but if it's good, it could be a deal enhancer. It could make them feel even more confident about your prospects. I'll tell you this. I never put my GPA on any resume ever. It's never been on any version of my resume of my resume, even when I was first getting into the industry and I still got hired by CNN right out of college. When I review resumes to hire people, I really don't spend a lot of time wondering or thinking about their GPA as if that was a, a marker of their value. It's another data point. Uh, it can help, I guess, if it's really good GPA, but it's a pretty lackluster data point. It's not really that informative. Your experience and what you've done is far more, exp- uh, far more telling of who you are. Now, one other option, and I think this may be way overthinking it, but I'll share it anyhow. I have seen a lot of people share their, quote, major GPA, as in how they did in just the courses directly related to their major. And I see why, because that seems more contextually relevant, right? It doesn't matter so much what I got in my economics class 
that I took as a, you know, option, uh, as a course option versus what I did in my television production class. Um, those things are, uh, you know, one's more important than the other for depending on the job you're applying for. So your major GPA would focus in on the GPA and the courses that matter for this job. And that could, in theory, be a better indicator of how you impact the workforce in a positive way. But this idea, this concept of a major GPA isn't really universally known. Now, it's, it's not a common practice. I'm sure an employer would be able to figure out what major GPA means without some sort of an explainer. But it's not a certainty. They might just not really understand what you're getting at or why that's important. It's an option. I won't tell you not to do it. If it really highlights you in a good way, sure. Um, but overall, I wouldn't stress about the idea of putting your GPA on your resume. General rule, let's just repeat again. If it's not over a 3.3, or you've been in the industry working for two plus years, leave it off. So under 3.3, working in the or and or working in the industry two plus years, leave it off. If it's over 3.3 and you've been in the industry for less than two years, sure, go ahead and leave it on. If it's really high, like a 3.7 or higher, you can extend it uh, four to five years into your career. Make sense? Good. Seriously, Jack, good question. Seriously, I respect all of you immensely. We're wrapping things up here. I'm not asking you to vote for anyone in particular. I'm just asking you to vote. Hold the government accountable to the electorate. Get out there and vote. Use your given power. Thanks, everyone. And, and okay, one last story. Put on a damn mask. I was in Lowe's yesterday for like five minutes because I had to pick up a new dryer because ours broke. I didn't like it. I was uncomfortable. I didn't want to go in. I didn't want to do it. I bought in advance. I just had to go to customer service and, you know, get it, get out of there. I was there for five minutes and I saw at least five different people walking around defiantly not wearing masks and staring at people as if they were waiting for a confrontation. Like, come on, come on, challenge me. This is so ridiculous. Don't be selfish. Protect yourself and others. It does not make you tough or more patriotic to not wear a mask. It makes you selfish. Period. Thanks, everyone. Joan Lynch, one of my all-time favorites, is back on the pod on Wednesday. We had a great interview last week. I'm editing it tomorrow. I'm excited. She's dropping some major workforce knowledge. Tune in on Wednesday and try to make your week as stress-free as possible, and that is not going to be possible for me. 